And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA uh, here on Anchor FM. It is a great joy to uh, listen or uh, welcome our worldwide radio audience. This is me, Warren Landis, your Sunshine USA host and Bible teacher. And I love getting email questions uh, from our listening audience, someone wanting to know uh, if I'm an ordained preacher. And the answer to that question is yes, I'm an ordained Southern Baptist uh, preacher, and I was ordained by the Washington Avenue Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina, in August of 1979. And in May of 1974, I was licensed into the gospel ministry, also by the Washington Avenue Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. So I am um, very much a minister of the gospel. Now, down through the years, for the most part, I have been a bivocational minister. I used to tell people (laughs) that a bivocational minister is actually a minister who works for a living, but in reality, a bivocational minister is a minister who works usually a secular job in addition to whatever job they have in the ministry. And now, of course, I'm retired from secular work, so I devote myself full-time to the gospel ministry. And uh, most of my ministry right now is uh, consumed by Internet radio. And I've been doing this now since uh, 2012. So I'm about eight years into my Internet radio ministry, and I thank God for it. It gives me an opportunity every day to preach and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. And so I get very, very excited about that. And uh, then, of course, somebody here wants to know uh, what kind of theological education do I have? Well, I majored in the Bible over at William Carey College in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. This was back in the 1970s. Um, William Carey College is now known as William Carey University, still in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, Great school. It's a school owned and operated by the Mississippi Baptist Convention, a Southern Baptist uh, liberal arts college. And, uh, And then I went on to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, obviously in New Orleans, and uh, there I uh, majored in pastoral ministry. And so that is a brief description of the theological education that I have. I don't have a doctorate earned or honorary, but uh, maybe that'll come one of these days. We just don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. But I have been teaching and preaching the Word of God now for really a number of decades, (laughs) And I never cease to be amazed how much more there is to learn about the Bible. One of the great things about the Bible, and this sort of goes hand in hand with the topic that we're going to get into in a few moments, and that is the fact the more I read and study the Word of God, the more I preach the Word of God, the more I learn about the Word of God. And like I say, there are things that I continue learning fresh from the Word of God even today. (laughs) And I just thank God for that. And so it's very, very important uh, to consider. 
Uh, here someone wants to know what translation or version of the Bible do you read from and study from? Uh, primarily, I would say the King James Version. Now, I don't necessarily feel that it's wrong to consult with some of the other versions of the Bible. Um, I think that's perfectly permissible. I probably preach more often than not from the King James Version, and this would be especially true if you invited me to preach in your church and I didn't know anything about you. Uh, I would probably feel that preaching from the King James Version is safe because most people accept and respect the King James Version. But now, uh, there are some other versions of the Bible which I think are perfectly acceptable. And sometimes, in some of the hard passages, you may want to confer with uh, one of the other versions in order to come to a broader understanding of what that verse is trying to say. Um, <clears throat> I know we have some people in America today and in the world today that teach that uh, the King James Version of the Bible is the only version of the Bible. But really, when you think about it, that's not fair to people around the world who don't know English, and it would be very hard for them to read an English King James Version. And also, you have to understand, there were many versions of the Bible before the King James Version was ever written. <laughs> and so if you take the position that the King James Version of the Bible is the only version of the Bible, then you're saying that prior to 1611, there was no copy of the Word of God, and, and that certainly would not be true. Now, having said all this, I do believe that the King James Version is the most accurate, most reliable trans, uh, translation or version of the Bible that we have. And so I preach most of the time from the King James Version, though, like I say, um, I don't see anything wrong with uh, conferring now and then with another version of uh, the Bible. Now, I can tell you there was a time in my ministry where I took a very narrow view and I preached only from the King James Version of the Bible and I would have nothing to do with some of the other translations. But the Lord led me out of legalism and showed me that some of the other versions uh, are acceptable. <laughs> um, now, you have to understand we don't have the original manuscripts of the Bible. Now, we know that the Bible was originally, the Old Testament, for example, was originally written in uh, Hebrew. We know the New Testament was originally written in Greek. But interestingly enough, we don't have the original manuscripts of the Greek New Testament or the Hebrew Old Testament. Now, we have some manuscripts that are older than any of the others that we have, and they indicate that we have a very reliable copy of the Word of God. But we don't have, as I say, the original manuscripts. It would be great if we did. Now, if you have ever studied about the Dead Sea Scrolls found in the caves of Qumran, that is where we found what are today believed to be the oldest surviving manuscripts of the Word of God. And 
among other things, there is a copy of the prophecy of Isaiah, and we are told that except for a few minor, minor grammatical punctuation marks, uh, we find that uh, the prophecy of Isaiah is pretty much as we have it. And so it lets us know that the Word of God is extremely reliable, extremely accurate, and we can thank God for that. Now, that was probably more of an answer than I originally planned to give, but I hope that that does uh, answer your uh, question. Uh, someone else wanting to know, Warren, uh, do you think the churches are going to be locked down again? Well, I don't know. I mean, it does seem that we're getting... Uh, a second wave of this uh, coronavirus. And I know that here in the United States, as well as in other countries around the world, um, many governments are locking down again. And so it very well may be that in the next few weeks, churches will be told that they're going to have to meet online, for example. And that very well may be. Now, one thing about it, we have learned as a church how to do that. <laughs> That's one good thing that has come out of this year. Thanks to the coronavirus, many churches have learned how to use the Internet as a tool of ministry. And I think the Internet will become increasingly important uh, for the church to use as a tool for ministry. Um, but yeah, I think it is possible that could happen. And, you know, here in South Carolina, I live in Greenville, South Carolina, we have a governor that has been very much a friend of the church. He has never imposed restrictions on the church as to uh, how often they could worship or whether they can worship indoors. He's pretty much left that decision up to the individual pastors, which I think is good. And, and you know, the pastors here in South Carolina I think have done a pretty good job of doing what is in the best interest of their congregation. Because, I mean, let's face it, no pastor wants to see members of his congregation get sick, and no pastor certainly wants to see members of his congregation die. And so most pastors are going to be prudent when it comes to deciding how the services will be held. But there are options out there. Now, if a church cannot meet in person, it might be that they can have online services. If the weather is not too cold where you are, it might be that outdoor services, uh, for example, a drive-in service, might be considered a little bit safer. So there are all kinds of tools that we can use at our disposal. Now, I thank God that Sunshine USA has been available as an online ministry now since 2012. And so we haven't really had to learn anything in connection with the COVID-19 crisis. We have, from the very beginning of this crisis, we've been able to offer Bible teaching and instruction by way of the Internet. And I thank God for that. I would like to think Sunshine USA is one of the pioneers of Internet Bible study. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But anyway, that's uh, where we stand. And on each broadcast, we'll take a look at some of our questions that have been emailed in. By the way, my personal phone number, which I will give you just now, is 
5007. That's area code 864-346-5007. That's my personal phone number. Uh, A lot of preachers won't do that. You know, (laughs) that's one of the things that makes me different from some preachers. I'm not afraid to give out my personal cell phone number. And you could call me, uh, hopefully, after this broadcast. Don't call me during the broadcast. In other words, right now it's about 9-11 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. So don't call me until this particular broadcast is over. But I would love to talk to you and uh, see how you're doing. And you could share with me any prayer requests that you have. And not only that, but you can... uh, Uh, ask me questions about the Bible, and I'll do my best to answer it right then if I can. If not, I'll get the answer and get back with you. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And you know, with the holidays coming up, a lot of people are having to spend more time than usual alone. If you just need a Christian friend to talk to, I'll be glad to talk to you. Um, But there you have it. Okay, now let's get into the Word of God. We're going to be in Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, starting uh, with verse 11, or I should say 21. Um, Mark, chapter 4, starting with verse 21. This is the parable of the candle. And he said unto them, "Is Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick. For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifest, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears, let him hear. Let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, with what measure you meet, it will be measured unto you, And unto you that here shall more be given. And he that hath, and to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Now, this is called the parable of the candle. (laughs) In other words, uh, Jesus is saying here, you know, if you have a candle, the thing about it is you're not going to take that candle and put it under a bushel, and, you know, instead you're going to take that candle, and you're going to put it on a lampstand. And basically it's going to give light to everything in the house, and you can see what there is to see. Now, one of the things this passage of Scripture teaches us is that the Lord will give us additional understanding of the Word of God the more we read the Word of God. And those who don't read the Word of God, God is not obligated to give you any further revelation or any further understanding. Now, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I run into people all the time that say, well, Warren, you just don't realize that I don't read the Bible too much because it's hard for me to understand it. Well, I am more and more of the opinion that says, you know, you understand as much of the Word of God as you want to. 
And if you don't want to understand the Word of God, you won't. But I think as a Christian, you and I need to spend time every day in the Word of God. I mean every day. Now, many of you send me emails letting me know that this uh, podcasting ministry is part of your devotional time every day. It's part of your daily routine Bible study. Amen. And I thank God for that. I think that's a marvelous thing, a wonderful thing. But also, you need to spend time in the Bible, studying the Bible, even apart from this radio program. And the more you read the Bible on your own, the more you read the Bible on your own, generally speaking, the more understanding of the Word that God will give you. Now, like I said a while ago, I've been preaching and teaching the Word for decades. I mean, I have taught Sunday school. I've been pastor of a church. Uh, I have done pulpit supply in churches. And now I'm doing internet radio. Now, down through the years, I've been what they call a bivocational preacher. But now I'm, I'm retired from secular work, so now I devote myself full-time completely to the gospel ministry. And I thank God for that. And the more I teach and preach the Word of God, the more understanding I get. In other words, this past year of 2020, I have spent a lot of time personally in the Word of God. And guess what? The more time I spend in the Word of God, the more God increases my understanding of the Word. You see, you first of all have to start off with the understanding that God himself is the author of the Bible. Now, it's true he had 40-some-odd men to help him. They served as his secretaries, but basically they wrote what God told them to write. So God is the author of the Bible. Now, if God is the author of the Bible, he can tell me anything about the book he wants to. I remember when I was uh, an announcer at a Christian radio station in New Orleans, I had an opportunity to interview a number of different Christian book authors. And I would ask them questions about the book, and they would answer those questions. And they gave me better answers than anybody else could. You know why? Because they wrote the book. Well, you see, when I'm studying the Word of God, I can get down on my knees and I can pray and I can say, Lord, help me understand what it is you're trying to say here. And in most cases, God is more than able to tell me what he originally meant here. If he feels like I'm ready for that truth. Now, you take the disciples that Jesus worked with on this earth. He taught them a lot of things over a three-year period. But now, when Jesus' earthly ministry was just starting out, did Jesus tell them everything he knew all at one time? Absolutely not. But every day for the next three years, he saw to it that they learned a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of the Word of God. And so that the more you learn about the Word of God, the more you're able to learn further about the Word of God. Now, I'm a firm believer, too, 
that it's never the will of God. It is never the will of God for you to take what you know about the Bible and keep it to yourself. One of the reasons that God reveals more and more of his word to you is because it's his desire for you to share that with somebody else. Don't keep it all to yourself. Share it with other people. And by the way, you don't have to be a preacher, so to speak, to do this. Any Christian could do this. You know, maybe uh, you've got a new neighbor that moved into your apartment complex. And you notice that they're a Christian, but maybe they don't go to church anywhere. Well, maybe you could take it upon yourself to invite that new neighbor to your church. And in the meantime, you could say something like, uh, why don't you come over to my apartment one night a week and we'll study the Bible together and we'll see what the Bible has to say. Um, <laughs> there's this one Bible teacher that I like to listen to in the mornings. His name is Les Feldick. Now, I will tell you right off the bat, I don't agree with everything Les Feldick teaches, but I think he's right about most things. And he talks about the Bible study ministry that he has. And he said, basically, he said, you know, he said, my Bible study ministry started with me teaching a few people in my own home. And he said, gradually, every week, more and more people started coming. And we spent more and more time together in the Word of God. And man, I tell you, we just had a blast. And, and the attendance got bigger and bigger. And then one, of the, one day, uh, somebody in the crowd said, uh, you know, a friend of mine works at this TV station. Why don't we see if you could get on TV? Well, Les Feldick didn't think about it too much. Uh, he just let it go in one ear and out the other. But he said, you know, he said a few weeks later, I got contacted by this TV station manager. And he said, you know, we want to put you on television. And, and the thing about it is, uh, Les Feldick didn't, give him a quick yes, he said, well, I'll think about it. And he thought about how he might pay for this airtime. He knew that the TV time is expensive in most markets. And so he wanted to talk to the people in his Bible study group to see how much they might be able to help him in this project. And finally he decided, now of course he was a rancher by trade, so I guess Les Feldick had a fair amount of money himself. He decided that what we'll do is we'll try it for one year, and if we at least break even, we'll consider that God's will for us to keep going. And so over a 20-year period, Les Feldick produced about four uh, TV programs each week. And he is still alive and I think he's living in Florida. I'm not sure. Well, no, I take that back. I think he's living up north. Maybe it's Ohio or one of those northern states because he has a ranch up there. He's still alive, though. I've seen some of his latest videos on YouTube, I believe. But a great ministry he has, and he loves sharing about how it got started. But, you know, he realized himself that it wasn't good just to learn about the Bible himself. He needed to take what he had and share it with other people. And that's exactly what he's done. 
down through the years, and he has preached in his lifetime all the way through the Bible, just like I'm trying to do here on Sunshine USA. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, anyway, that lets us know that the Word of God is something very, very exciting. And then we come to verse 26 through 29. And he said, So it is, king, the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he putteth it in the sickle, because the harvest is come. In other words, I think it's fair to say that we harvest food, even though we don't know how it grows, but it does, and we thank God for that. And the end result is we eat it, you know. Uh, every time I go to the grocery store and I buy groceries, I'm keenly aware of the fact all of that food came from somewhere, and a lot of it was grown, uh, especially the vegetables and the fruit. A lot of it was grown. And, you know, God is the master grower. He knows how everything grows. I don't fully understand it all. In some cases, I can't understand how such a tiny seed can become a huge plant <laughs> or even a huge tree, but it does. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and we enjoy it. And even the animals come about because they eat a lot of the vegetation so that they could grow, so that we can kill them and enjoy the meat that their body produces. Now, I know that sounds gross, and I hope it doesn't sound too gross, but that's about the size of it. But we could certainly enjoy food as it grows, and especially after it's grown. Now, in much the same way, we know that the consumption of the Word of God produces in us spiritual growth. It not only produces us knowing more about the Bible, but it also results, hopefully, in us doing more and more things for God. Look at the Apostle Paul. At one time, he went from being the number one persecutor of Christians to being the number one missionary in all the world, telling people about God. All over the world, all over the planet. Or at least the known part of the world of his day. Now, many Bible scholars believe, by the way, that Paul went as far west as Spain and maybe maybe as far, west, far north as England. Maybe. That's a possibility. We don't know that, but it's possible. But Paul had 
this goal of taking the gospel to all the known world of his day. And he became, I would dare say, an authority on the scripture as, as they had it back in those days, you know. But on Paul's part, that required a lot of study of the scriptures on his part. And then he was willing to take as much of the word of God as he understood and then share that with other people. And I know in my own ministry, my desire has been to take whatever knowledge I have of the word of God and share that with other people. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't have as much education as some people have. I mean, I know some preachers, for example, they have all kinds of degrees and certificates on their wall, and that's all fine, well, and good. I just have <laughs> one or two. Don't have much at all. My seminary degree is actually an associate degree, but that's okay. My knowledge of the Word of God is limited. <laughs> Academically speaking, but personally, I know even more scripture than that. And what I do know, I have taken what I do know about the Word of God, and I have gotten on the Internet and shared with people all over the world what I know about the Word of God. You see, one of the things I know about the Word of God is it changes people's lives. People have lives that are changed as a result of the Word of God. I read about a, a man that was a Jewish man. He ended up in prison for mail fraud. And while in prison, he was introduced to a copy of the New Testament. And in fact, this particular New Testament was simply uh, delivered by a group of church members. They didn't even take time to pray with him or read the Bible with him. They just simply gave him a copy of the New Testament. And of course, being in prison, he had a lot of time on his hands. And so he decided, you know what? I'm going to take this copy of the Word of God and I'm going to read it. And the more he read it, the more he became convinced that indeed, and in fact, Jesus was the promised Messiah. He found that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And as a result, he accepted Christ as his Savior. He prayed right there in his jail cell that Jesus Christ would come into his heart, come into his life, and Jesus did just that. He changed that man's life. Now, it was a very costly decision. You know why? Because when he got out of prison, guess what? His family wouldn't have anything to do with him. You see, he came from an Orthodox Jewish family. And his Orthodox Jewish family disowned him. In fact, they went so far as to have a funeral for him. They had a funeral for him. They actually buried a casket in the ground. And they just pretended like he was in that casket and as far as they were concerned, he was dead. But he not only continued on in the faith, he went on 
to become one of the great preachers of the gospel. And so that's how I know that the word of God has all kinds of power. I, I have known several people in my lifetime, back when I was doing prison ministry, and many inmates tell me how they went from a life of drugs and crime, and they got into the word of God, the word of God changed their life, and now here they are out of prison, living for the Lord, some of them preaching the word. Amen. The Bible is a book that has power. It's not just paper. It's not just ink on paper. It's a powerful book. It is a book that can literally change people's lives. We have to be willing, though, to receive its message and let it produce change in our life as well. And, and it may affect some big decisions in your life. You know, you might be reading that Bible and all of a sudden you realize, hey, God wants me to preach. God wants me to do things for him. I remember reading about a friend of mine. <laughs> he tells about the story about how he came to be the preacher that he is today. Now, this, this friend of mine, today he is at a Christian university. Uh, he heads up the biblical studies department at that university. But when he was younger, he prayed and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He said, Lord, I'll do anything you want me to do. Just don't call me to Africa to be a missionary. Well, guess what? He prayed for a couple of years that the Lord would tell him what he wanted him to do, and he didn't get any answers. So he decided, I better change the prayer up a little bit. So then he started praying. He said, Lord... I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go, even if you want me to go to Africa. If that's what you want, Lord, that's what I'll do. Well, then God began to work in his life. And as it turned out, God didn't want this friend of mine to go to Africa to be a missionary. Instead, God had academic plans for this guy. Like I say, now he is the head of a Biblical Studies Department at a major Christian university. But the thing about it is, it didn't start out that way <laughs> until he was willing to do anything God wanted him to do, even if it meant going to Africa to be a missionary. Now, folks, I don't know about you, I call that being sold out for God. I call that giving everything you got to Jesus. Amen. It'll change your life. Now, it might be scary at times. God might say, okay, I know the job you have, but I also know that I'm God. And I have something even better than the job you have now. Amen. And what you have to do is just take that leap of faith and do it. Amen. Now, it can be scary. I mean, look at Abraham. Abraham over in... Genesis chapter 12. Abraham was a man 75 years old. He was known as Abram back then. 75 years old. He was 
we would say today past normal retirement age. He was already set in his ways. From all indications, he'd lived pretty much in the same town all of his life. And now here God is saying, Abraham, I want you to pull up stakes. And I want you to go to a land I will show you. Now, how many people can you think of who would pack up everything they own? They call a moving van. The moving van comes and puts everything on the truck, and they say, we're too. And you say, I don't know. God's going to lead me one day at a time. Amen. <laughs> you talk about a step of faith. Man, I tell you, that's a step of faith. Look at Moses. Moses was a very interesting study of the will of God. I mean, here he was born at a time when the Pharaoh of Egypt had ordered that all the babies aged two and under had to be killed. And yet God miraculously protected that baby by allowing that baby to be raised by his own mother with all the expenses being paid by the daughter of Pharaoh. Later on, that daughter brings Moses into the palace, and Moses is raised in Pharaoh's household. Now, that was pretty interesting because from his parents, he learned to love God, and he learned about the provisions of God and the things of God. And now here he is in Pharaoh's household, and as a result of that, he gets access to some of the finest schools in all the land of Egypt. And so that really among all the Hebrew men, there was not a man anywhere near as well educated as Moses was. Now, by the way, that's one of the reasons why I believe Moses wrote all five of the first five books of the Bible, because there wasn't a better educated man anywhere around. And that was because he had access to the finest schools in all the land of Egypt. But then there was the wilderness years. As you know, um, Moses saw one of his own Hebrew men being mistreated by an Egyptian soldier, and he decides to kill that Egyptian soldier. And now Moses is forced to run. He knows if he goes back home to Pharaoh, Pharaoh will arrest him and have him thrown into prison. So he lives life on the run. He ends up in the wilderness, working for Jethro, his father-in-law, keeping flocks in the desert. And all of a sudden, God appears to Moses there in the desert. By this time, Moses has spent about 40 years of his life in the desert. And I'm sure at times Moses wondered, how did he go from the palace to the desert? Well, you see, God had a plan for all that. There was a purpose in all that. In the palace, Moses got educated. In the desert, Moses learned all kinds of survival skills that he would need leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. From his own mother, he learned about the things of God. So God really had a purpose and a plan behind everything that had happened in the life of Moses at that time. 
Boy, I tell you, I get blessed just thinking about all this. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what all you've been through. Maybe you feel like you're in a desert. Maybe you feel like uh, you're at a barren place in your life. But let me tell you, God has a purpose behind everything that's happened in your life. Maybe uh, you're listening to this podcast in a jail cell. And maybe you could think, well, you know, at one time I was active in church, and here I am sitting in a jail cell. Does God still love me? Can God still use me? And the answer to both of those questions is emphatically, yes, God still loves you. Yes, God can still use you. Amen. You just have to be willing to turn your heart and your life over to God. And God will graciously reveal to you what it is he wants you to do. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've screwed up a lot of stuff. But you know what? God's a good cleaner-upper. Amen. God is a God of the second chance. He's also a God of the third and fourth chance. Today could be the best day of the rest of your life. Turn your life over to God. You'll never be sorry for it. You will always consider it the best decision you ever made. Well, we'll uh, stop here, and we'll pick up next time where we left off this time. But this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.